Today on Power Tips Unscripted, we talk to Charles Hammett, CEO of Hammett Technologies. There are a lot of bad guys out there, and cybercrime is at all-time highs. Charles is here to share what you need to know about cybercrime, government involvement, and how it will impact your business. And we'll hear all about it in just a minute. You had me at hello. It looks like a miracle. It's in the hole. It's in the hole. Hi, I'm Victoria Downing, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. And I'm here with my co-host, Mark Harari. Hey, ho. Hey there, Mark. How are you? Nervous. <laughs> Nervous about all the black hat people all the out black there. black hat stuff we're going to hear about Ooh, in a minute. Yeah. I know. It's, Man, it's, it's coming scary. at us from every angle, isn't it? <laughs> no. Constantly. I just got, 20 minutes ago, I got a phishing email. Did you really? Yeah, saying my credit card was uh, oh. shut down and I need to contact them right away <laughs> if I want to reactivate the card and oh, all kinds great. of fun good. stuff. Good, yep, that's one good example. And luckily for us, we have someone here who's going to help us protect ourselves from all the bad guys. Well, you know what's really funny about that? And huh. I can't wait to talk to Charles about this, but I actually had two weeks ago, I had a card that I had to put a freeze on. So this email comes through and now it's top of mind like it's pretty legit. Yeah. Because they're just hitting me by pure luck. Or is it? Or is it, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it, it's it's just that's where it'll get you. I feel like I'm one of the sharpest people out there with catching this stuff. But you know, I've had a package like a FedEx thing that I'm waiting on, waiting on, and then I get a FedEx email. So now because it's top of mind, oh, I got to click on it. Where's my thing? Right. So anyway. Uh -huh. All right. Well, let's I'm figure out how out. to avoid all this stuff, shall we? Yeah, please. For over 25 years, Charles Hammett has managed IT and cybersecurity initiatives for several businesses throughout the U.S. He's worked closely at the federal level, building, building secure data centers, and at the public level, protecting businesses of all types. He is a cybersecurity expert, and we're delighted to have him. Welcome, Charles. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Oh, yeah, it's great. I mean, again, the timeliness of this is crazy. We just had a member ask us about cybersecurity, one of our roundtable members. So you're, it just is the perfect timing. Yeah, I feel like it's getting, uh, I'm getting it from all angles lately, too. There's been a lot of major changes that I'm excited to talk about and go over with everybody. Well, so talk to us a little bit about cybercrime in general. I hear it's one of the fastest growing threats to business survival. Yeah, so it's it's kind of funny. I, there's a there's a government, uh, the IC3, which is the Internet uh, Crimes, um, the sector of the government that tracks actual uh, cybercrime, uh, email scans, ransomware scans, uh, then the financial impact on the businesses. And and every year we get this report from them and the the growth has been just phenomenal. It went really? from being a two billion dollar a year business in 2021 to right now in 2025, they're saying it's going to be a ten point three billion dollar <gasps> a year business. Wow. So it pays to be a criminal when it comes to cybercrime, which is is scary. It's uh and and most of those criminals aren't even in the U.S., so they have right. little jurisdiction. We can't chase them down. We can't get them. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of it's interesting to see how quickly it's grown. Um, one of the presentations I was doing for a while with some of our other um partners that we do stuff with, mm -hmm. uh, the number was just staggering. Through the pandemic, they grew three hundred and twenty percent. 
I don't know another business that grew 320% no. during the pandemic other than the medical companies. So yeah. um, it's it was just that number kind of made me go, oh, geez. And then uh, I think with that happening and everybody calling the insurance companies when it happens to put a claim in, right? Um, you know, we're in a position now where the government's going, we're at a huge loss and we need to start looking at this closer. So tell us a little bit about the various kinds of cybercrime. Yes, it, there's a lot out there. So, um, I mean, I, I think everybody can remember like 10 years ago, the, the worst thing we had to worry about was a virus getting on your computer and yes. shutting it down for a little bit. So, you know, we came out with antivirus products, which that became a booming business. And then as time has gone on, uh, we have, as a society, developed ways to transition money uh, in an untraceable way with cryptocurrency and, and things along that line, which opened the door uh, for fast means of payment to criminals. Um, and I think a lot of what you heard years ago with cryptocurrency was, you know, the the cartels use it, criminals use it to extort mm-hmm. money, et cetera. Um, it, yes, it's used for that. It's also being used now more for business and tracking. But but from a standpoint of what happened is we enabled the cyber criminals to find ways to extort us and then find a way to us for us to anonymously pay them to get our stuff back. And oh, that, I think, was like the big turning point for a lot of us once once ransomware started coming out and they were able to extort a business for, uh, you know, sometimes it's a couple hundred thousand right, dollars. Right. Get that data back. That was kind of like, a, oh, geez, this is a pretty big deal. And then before, like the insurance companies would sell you cyber liability insurance, which was very simple, small package. But because most companies now are reaching out during those ransomware attacks and the insurance liability is covering that cost. Now they're starting to get a little more stringent and ask us a lot more questions about what we do to protect them, et cetera, before they'll even issue a policy this year. So wow. um, it's kind of spiraling really quickly out of control. And like a lot of things, we don't really start to take notice until it starts hitting us financially pretty hard. And that's what's starting to happen, unfortunately, more and more as we keep going. Like they say, a billion here, a billion there, pretty soon it adds up to real money. <laughs> and <laughs> I guess that's where we are. So you have the ransomware attacks, which are constantly hitting you. You still have, you know, malware and 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 uh, viruses, but there's not much profitability in that anymore. So there's not that that's not as much of a common threat as it used to be in the past. Uh, you have a lot of bad email scams coming through, like what you said at uh, the beginning of the show. Uh, those emails are constantly hitting our mailbox now. They're fake scan uh-huh. emails, uh, fake bank sp- statements. A lot of them are to trigger that emotion for you to be scared and react and not sit back and think a little bit on it. And and that's that's reality. And then another thing that I've been seeing a lot lately is tech scams. That's been something that we've been getting a lot of in the like the past couple months where you're getting a text message sent to you that says uh, your account has been such and such. Click this link. And and from an IT, like a a company that manages that for other businesses, it's very hard to block that because we don't manage everybody's phones. Right. I mean, it's your personal device, right? So that's been a new threat that's been coming up lately that we've been trying to figure out, well, how do we really mitigate this for businesses? Because instead of providing everybody a company phone that we can lock down, it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge, right? Right. So, um, So that's another one. And then bad email scams, believe it or not, Fake emails are the number one, the most the, the most money lost is from bad emails. And that could be uh, someone getting in and sending you a fake invoice. Um, a really good example from a customer that we have, we, we, we came in to help evaluate something with is uh, they didn't have some very basic protections on their email. Someone was able to get into their mailbox and send a fraudulent ACH oh. account request out. Oh. And, and because they're used to seeing this person's email, 
it didn't dawn on them. Um, and they ended up sending out about $60,000 in an ACH transfer that they just lost. They can't wow. get back now. And uh, that was kind of one of my openers because like, I go back and say, all right, well, what is your organizational's operational controls before you send out $60,000? Like, right. Does it require multiple approvals or you just throw 60K out whenever you want? <laughs> um, and, that, and that kind of started a different conversation with them where it wasn't just the technology and software anymore. It was the organizational policy that you also have to put in play right. to protect the business that we started that whole project with them now to start start that conversation. So. If I were to like recap at a high level, the big money makers right now for people are the bad email scams. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's going to be ransomware still because there's really a, it's really hard to stop that. You can't you can't stop the person that's coming in from. Now, what what's the difference between, you know, ransomware, phishing and spyware? Where's, where's spyware come in? So, so spyware is an application that we would that a attacker. I say we. Ah, try, you're a white hat guy, though, right? <laughs> yeah, I got to think like them to stay on mm -hmm. top of this. So, right. Um, uh, so, so from from a, a standpoint of that's a tracking mechanism. We would we would implement that on your system to start tracking your keystrokes, uh, sites you've gone to. Uh, that's a reconnaissance type of tool. That's going to be something that I'm going to do to try to learn about your business and understand what you do, who you communicate with, what projects you're working on, things like that. Um, ransomware itself is usually sent in an email payload. Um, and you usually get it as an email. And when you click on it, um, ransomware is a, a, a product that's designed to disable your machine until you pay them to unlock it. Okay. So that's the little bit of a difference between yep. the first one and the second one. The second one is to do damage. They don't, right. they don't really care about knowing about you anymore. They just know if I get you to click this, you have to pay me. Whew. And that's that's a whole different thought process of how to attack somebody. And then like for like the viruses and the malware, again, a lot of that back then was just kids trying to disable your machines and cause business interruption. A lot of that's gone. We won't, we won't see a whole lot of that anymore because again, it's about making money as a business. It's not about just being a kid scripting things. Right. And but isn't it, isn't it more of a risk for bigger companies? I mean, we talked to companies that are, you know, let's say 750 to four or 5 million. It, they don't really have to worry, do they? Isn't it big businesses and government? It's, it's everybody. Uh, I think that's a bad misconception that a lot of people keep having out there. So, um, you know, revenue is not the important part. So as an attacker, what I'm looking for on the dark web is easy access, easy credentials, low hanging fruit. Um, so from a small business standpoint, a lot of people think I'm I'm not really, why would they come after me? Why would they, you know, attack me? Why would they get into to my data? And to be completely upfront with you, it's not your fault they're getting into the data. A lot of times, the small businesses, partners that they work with, the vendors, uh, banks, credit oh. cards, uh, credit application vendors, um, even the software you use, every time you register for that information and you put your username and password and set up all that detail, they are the ones losing it most of the time. It's not specifically you. Uh. So um, if you notice, you'll get that letter in the mail. Like I just got one two or three weeks ago from U-Haul. They lost all of my public information or my personal information in my credit cards. Oh, so, my. And then what do they do? Oh, here you go. I'll monitor your credit. That's what everybody does. I mean, I, everybody's received those letters in the mail constantly. Yeah. They'll monitor your credit, right? That's that's the slap on the hand for not doing your job correctly in the past. And that's why it's starting to change. Mm. So, yeah, from, from that standpoint, it's like a, a different, um, you know, perspective there. It's you got to like think of it I, I, just because I'm a small business. Yeah, they're not specifically coming after and targeting you. If I'm a if I'm a hacker and I'm on the dark web and I'm doing a scan for the latest results of a vendor that was breached and I just see your credentials in there, I'm just going to try to get in. I don't know what size you are at that point in time. I won't know that until I've gotten in. 
right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times. And at that point, it's too late because they're going to find ways to either exploit you. They'll either try to send you a payload with ransomware that's craftily designed to look real, mm-hmm. click on it. And then that's how they exploit you for money. Or they'll start sending you emails for like payments and fake emails saying that you have to click this to confirm, or you'll get a fake email like link to reset your password. And it looks hundred percent real. You'll put everything in and then they just got your password to get yes. into your face, Facebook. So so, so to say, it doesn't matter if you're large or small, the larger businesses are actually harder because they have a whole team that their whole job all day is to protect that company, right? Mm. They're sitting there looking at logs, they're checking events and errors, and they're reacting to those things appropriately. Small businesses don't have that. They depend on like a company like ours to have that team to respond to those items. And a lot of times, most of them don't think that the investment is worth it or that there's no reason to have it because they aren't at that level. But those are the ones that usually get hit for the $60,000 bad email scam. And that's detrimental to them. That is huge, especially if they have no way to get back that $60,000. And you have payroll coming up. Yeah. Aren't you supposed to be buying rent? So that's that's the reality. A small business should not ignore this. What I would say is find a good partner that can give you an affordable way to protect your business and provide you that insight and that knowledge. That way you're not leaving yourself out there and waiting for it to happen. And then you're reacting to it instead of preventing it. Let me ask you a specific question because we've had a conversation going on within one of our roundtable groups about Mm -hmm. uh, cyber insurance and Mm -hmm. going, "Eh, you know, I'm not going to pay for it. It's not worth it. Blah, blah, blah. What what determines that? And like you said before, prices are going up with that and they're getting much more uh, strict. So what should small businesses think about and be ready to feel like they have to pay for? So it's, it's cyber liability insurance is is an interesting, it's almost a double-edged sword because uh, I've been filling out those forms for all of our companies we've managed for the past you know 10 years. And until like the last two years, the forms have been one page and they'd ask you five very simple questions that were broad, very broad. They didn't really have any type of control in them. It's like, do you use multi-factor? And then I would say, yes, we use it on email, but we don't use it on the machines, right? It's 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 open question. I can answer it however I want to interpret it at that point. And then one thing started happening last year, which completely caught us by surprise. We, we do do a lot of work with the federal government. So we're very familiar with getting approvals to operate and filling out compliance forms and all of that. And the insurance company sent one of our manufacturing clients um, a full five-page document asking them very specific questions about their cybersecurity, how they control it, how they secure the business. And completely caught me by surprise. So then I was like, okay, well, maybe we don't need the cyber liability because now you're starting to get really into the weeds with my clients. And to be frank with you, like my manufacturing clients, unless they're doing work with the federal government, I really don't see a reason to go to that level of encryption and everything else. They just are holding jobs, Uh right? It's public knowledge. It's public blueprints, things like that. It's nothing of security. And uh, what we found is that, um, a really good example is this, if is that form and all those questions that are on there, you have to fill it out hundred percent appropriate. If you don't have multi-factor, just say no, right? If you don't have the appropriate email security forms in there, just say no. Because when you send it back over to your policy guy, they're going to either approve it, deny it, or give you a price based on how much money you make. There's a lot of factors that they're like putting into it. Uh-huh. And that form is very detailed now. So what it's starting to ask you is who's responsible for the IT in your business because they're actually having accountability measures built into that form now. So 
Um, all of my customers get to put our company's name on there and I'm oh. the one that has to deal with that for them. And then oh. a good vendor will tell you to do that because they're protecting you and they'll be answering those questions for you. Right. And that's usually what ends up happening. And if you're not going to be putting the IT company that you have on there, and a lot of times it's like they, you know, they, they you should call and ask first. Don't just throw their name on there, please. Right. Like make sure they're fully aware of what you're doing. Uh, they'll also help you fill that form out. And if they're not going to put them on there, you have to put the owner of the business on there. Or who's considered your site security officer. So in the general terms of compliance and everything that's out there, everybody uses the same term. It's site security officer. That's the person at your building that's responsible for the security of the building, the IT security, all of that good stuff. Okay. And that has to be on there now. And then on top of that, you go through and you do all the checkboxes. And and what I usually tell everybody is to determine whether or not you need cybersecurity, because I was not for it for a very long time. And this year I changed my mind. And the reason I changed my mind is because of that one client that got hit for $60,000 that we never thought would have an issue. And he even said, there's no way I could ever lose money. We aren't connected like that. That's when I realized, oh, geez, everybody needs it because I can't stop that. Right. I can't stop the text messages from coming in incorrectly now. There's like there's every time they come up with a new way to exploit you, our team has to scramble to figure out how to fix that constantly. Mm -hmm. Right. So what is a cybersecurity? And again, I'm not an insurance salesman guy. I'm just the guy that helps you get it properly, right? So uh-huh. the cybersecurity today covers a lot of really important things. They're going to ask you how you protect your machines. They're going to ask you how you protect your email. They're going to ask how you protect your website. They're going to ask how you back up. They're going to ask how you restore. And do you do a dis- like a temp restore every year? It's called a disaster recovery plan. They're going to ask if you have that. And you may think, oh, I'm only a one or two person company, but it's it's the same rules for everybody, unfortunately, when it comes to liability insurance. So if you are only a two or three person employee, there are ways to solve those problems inexpensively for those smaller organizations. If you are a larger organization, there are vendors that provide like Office 365, if configured properly, meets almost every one of the requirements. Oh, okay. So you already have the product. You just need the person to configure it properly normally. Okay. Um, you don't need servers in house. You don't need any. There's ways to solve the problems and check the, the, the check mm-hmm. boxes and get you to liability. And the reason I'm saying you should get the liability, even if you don't feel like you need the liability, if that company that lost that 60K would have had their liability forms, which they didn't have liability, but if they would have filled them all out properly, that whole entire loss plus the recovery plus the reconnaissance plus our cost to help help all that would have been covered under the insurance. Oof. And they would have only had a liability cost to pay at that point. Uh, okay. So, so even now this year, I've been going through my manufacturing clients after getting hit with the first one and going, mm-hmm. hey, this is coming. I know you renew in June. Let's start putting this stuff in. And then when they go, well, you told us in the past that we didn't need this. I go, yes, but I'm, I'm allowed to change my mind. And here's yeah. why I changed my mind. Let me give you a good reason on what I've learned. And I don't want you guys to learn it the hard way too. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's that's the biggest thing. So your insurance companies are going to start asking a lot of personal information about how you actually protect yourself. And then they may even ask you to show proof because at the bottom, they say they may actually come in and assess you and audit you. Uh, and a lot of times that only happens when you're a large, like I have a, a, a 20 some million dollar a year manufacturing client. When we filled them out properly and said, no, they aren't using these things. They denied their policy. Uh, they filled the same exact form out yeah. for a smaller client who's only making 5 million a year. And they gave them a policy. Huh. 
So it's, there's, there's gotta be something that I haven't figured out on the insurance company side where they're calculating your total cost that you make or something that makes them pull the trigger or not based on that decision. Mm-hmm. And the other company, I guess, was too much liability. They're too public right. and too open. They made me go back and put all the controls in for them. So we right. did like a three-month run run around like crazy people <laughs> doing things we would normally not do for manufacturers. So I kind of went a little long there. But yeah, that's kind of the big changes that are coming down. And a lot of those changes are coming down from your the government issuing that cybersecurity. Okay. Um, uh, initiative. So, so what are some of the other, let's give me a couple more policies that people should have in place to try to avoid some of the things you've seen in the past. So, the, so you usually have like three documents that I've been getting. Uh, the first one is your, you, it's your normal business liability policy. This all rides on that. So I'm not talking about that form. You should still get your normal business liability. It's usually mm-hmm. riders on top of that, that I'm talking about. Okay. And the first one will be your general cyber liability form. That's the one where you have to, it's about four pages of data that you have to fill out how you protect your business. And then there's a second form that they'll send us, which is the ransomware Uh supplemental form. And the ransomware supplemental form has a lot of the same questions as the first form did, but they have a few very targeted ones to make sure you're protecting your machines properly. And then the third form is dependent on your industry. So we do a lot of work for the federal government and for hospitals. That third form for hospitals has been very long. It's been like six pages Uh of questions for the hospitals. Now, for my manufacturing clients, there's a specific, it says, you know, a supplemental policy addition for manufacturing. Uh It says on there what it's for. For my manufacturing customers, it's been very small. It's only been an additional page. And then that page, they start to ask you, like, how do you do your, like, if you're a manufacturing what is your disaster recovery plan if your manufacturing equipment goes down? Like that's right. kind of what it's asking you in those yeah. questions. And uh-huh. then luckily we have a lot of that built already. We just copy and pasted. But for anybody that doesn't have that rebuilt, you have to make those policies and you have to make that stuff and put them in there. Okay. And that's kind of, that's the difference. That's a third form. So the third form for uh, remodelers will probably be the same. It'll be a small form. It's going to ask, you know, what equipment do you use technology wise, which a lot of a lot of remodelers are hands-on working. Mm-hmm. They may have a tablet to track jobs and projects and costs and analysis. So it's going to be a very simple form to answer okay. that because we would basically say how we would restore that. And then it's going to ask some very specific things about like your multi-factor on your email. Like if you're not in Office 365 and you don't have to use a code to get into your email, you're going to want to do that even if even if you don't do it for insurance. That's a very basic thing to stop bad email scams from happening. Mm-hmm. But those are the things that's going to probably ask the remodeling remodeling community is how do you protect your machines? How do you protect the data? And where is your data stored? Okay. So let's talk about, you know, how you were saying way early in this about how the people who lost the 60 grand, like what are the steps? What are the operational policies that you have in place so that you can't just have some random person in your company send off 60 grand? Are there other things like that? Are there just internal operational things that people should do to try to avoid some of these issues? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a couple, like we have a lot of policies we have pre-built around like HR and finance and how they should act and work um, on a daily basis. But for most of our clients, we usually set a, in a policy, we say anything that's over a specific charge, most people say five grand. Mm -hmm. So it's, it depends on the business. It depends on your cash flow. There's a lot of other conversations that go there, but um, for this business, anything over a five thousand dollar purchase now has to be approved by three leaders. Oof. It has to be a, it has to be signed off for the person that ordered it. It has to be signed off by the financial CFO, and it has to be signed off by the purchase order person. 
Okay. And the reason for that is because now we have three eyes on there. And then when the check gets sent out, the same thing, it has to be approved and validated by the same three people. Uh, well, not the person who put the order in. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's yeah. gotta be, it's gotta be approved by the CEO, the CFO and the PO guy. And then they all have a form that we created in teams that they just check off that they've done their job and they've confirmed that. Um, okay. And then also for the bank, um, your bank, you can actually go in and say that any check that's over a certain dollar amount has to be approved by you or pre-called in by you. Ah. So that's another uh, measure. Not everybody goes to that measure because it is an administrative burden. But if you're sending out a significant number of large checks, that probably wouldn't be a benefit to you unless you wanted to put an operational process in place where like, as you wrote the checks, you call the bank and submit the check numbers and the values so that they can be processed. Right. Um, it's going to be dependent on the owner and how much protection they want to put in. Every time a breach happens, everybody wants everything. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> it's, it's, we always react afterwards like we're crazy, like we should have been doing this this whole time. And then we're like, oh, put everything in. And then we yeah. get tired of it and we back it off after time. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. It sounds familiar. <laughs> so, that's usually what ends up happening. But for this particular person, there's anything over a $5,000 cre uh, uh, credit uh, um, ACH transfer or check has to be pre-approved pre by multiple people. And now they've actually made a policy where they, they don't even want to use ACH anymore. They want to use like their American Express card or something that has other insurances on it so that they don't have to worry about that. So ah, interesting. Um, that's, that's what we did with them from a, um, that's just one example of like a financial policy. Uh -huh. One of the things that I would say from like other policies that you should put in from uh, just from a remodeler standpoint, um, I would put in a policy around uh, acceptable use of your devices what people are allowed to do with your email, what people are not allowed to do with your email. If they have a company computer, what's allowed to be used on the computer, what's not allowed. That's a pretty basic thing that we put in at most companies we take over. Uh -huh. If you are allowing them to use their own device to check email, you should have a bring your own device policy, which again defines what's acceptable and how what you know what you can do and how you should represent yourself while using the company on your personal device. Um Another measure that we usually have in that BYOD policy is that when the company when the company makes a decision, it doesn't matter if you're being terminated, let go, whatever, we can erase all of the company data off your phone and within a second without permission. That's usually in your BYOD policy. Uh, and that helps you from a company standpoint, if you have a disgruntled employee, if you have someone that just disappears or you have their phone stolen, right. uh, Office 365 offers those options where you can just get rid of that data. So that would be that would be in that policy that you would write for that. Okay. Great. Really interesting stuff. Yeah. That's very cool. Cool. Uh, well, I don't have a form for you to fill out, but I do have some questions to ask. Are you ready for the lightning round? I'm ready. Hit me. <laughs> and now, here's the Remodeler's Advantage lightning round. It's a trap. Okay, I'm putting 60 seconds on the clock. What is your favorite business book and why? I just going to sound funny, but I don't read books. I've learned everything over the internet, so I don't have an answer for that. If you weren't doing all this technical security stuff, what do you think you'd be doing? Um, I honestly would be doing graphics, graphics design. And then secondly, I would do music. I really like music production and how people make music and how that makes you feel after mm -hmm. they make the music. That's always been a, a, a thing that I love to do. What are you not very good at? Um, I'm not very good at um, math, unless it's phase two. <laughs> your room, your desk, or your car, which would you clean first? My desk. I'm on it all the day. What's your favorite game show? I used to love uh, Family Feud, especially when Steve Harvey took over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you could have a theme song, what would it be? Oh, God. Um, 
That's a really good question. I don't know the answer to. Uh, I have to pass on that one. I don't. I'm drawing a blank. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I keep thinking that if, if I ever got asked that question, I'd say bad to the bone. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's a yeah. really good one. I just, there's so many songs I like. I, I can't know, think really. of a theme song. Well, Charles, this has been really fascinating. I appreciate you coming on and telling me about it. Now, if people want to learn more about um, Hammett Technologies, what would they do? Where would they go? Oh, yeah. We have, so we have a website, uh, hammett-tech.com. Um, on there, we have a lot of information. We post up uh, cool blogs. So we also have on there uh, where you can sign up for, uh, we send out to all of our business owners tips every week of things oh. you should be doing to protect your business. So mm-hmm. uh, if you're interested in that, you just sign up, there's literally no sale in it. It's just, here's what you should do. And we do it for a lot of those. Uh, we're also on Facebook and all the social medias. So you're welcome to follow us there. Um, and then uh, if anybody has any questions, you could always email us at info at amit-tech.com and we would love to answer any questions people have. Awesome. That's a wonderful, generous offer. I appreciate that. Now, before I let you go, however, I want you to share with our listening audience your five words of wisdom and why they resonate with you. Your decision should not be based on money. Okay. And then that, that resonates with me because I've worked for a lot of places where the decisions were based on money, no matter how bad they were. And other people are impacted by that in a life decision. So uh, about 10 years ago, we changed our business motto to we're going to do the right thing and then we're going to price it accordingly. And it's, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to get rich off anybody, but we're doing what we're supposed to do. So our decisions within our company haven't been based on money in a very, very long time because of that. Good, good. And you've seen a positive impact on your business because of that, I'll bet. Yeah, very positive. Because you, you're doing the right thing. Like if right. you always do the right thing and that's what you're trying to accomplish, then you always you always be okay. So Yeah. Great. Well, this has been great, Charles. I very much appreciate it. Um, thank you very much. And we may ask you to be on again as things no, in the in the cyber crime world develop. No worries. I'm here for you guys. If anybody ever needs us, feel free to shoot out and give us a call. Thanks, Charles. Thank Have you. Have a good day, guys. Bye. You know, Mark, I know you deal with this stuff all the time, but, you know, I don't. And it's uh, I find it pretty interesting. Just some of the policies to put in place. I got about five we're going to be adding to our repertoire here. Just so you know. We already have a lot of those. Do we? Yes. All right. We have to share with me because I'm unaware then. Uh, well, you're, oh, how you're, lovely it is to delegate. Yeah, you're the you're exempt because you're the big uh, big G's. Right? That's right. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, it's it's fun. You you should absolutely hire an agency such as Hammett. Uh, we have one that like Epic. handles Epic um, that does all of our stuff. And And they're um, great, too. It's fantastic. And it's not something you can really do on your own. And if you're trying to manage that on your own, you're you're insane, really, because there's just too much. And and they're monitoring everything all the time for us. And they help with the insurance every year. We got to deal with, you know, I get the whole renewal packet and there's all those things you got to answer. And I hand it all off to them. Right. And they fill it out because they know what's in place, what's not. And mm-hmm. they also review our policy every year and tell, look for things like, hey, you're, you're undercovered in this spot. You probably want to get that adjusted and things like that. So from the insurance perspective, it's great just to have someone doing this for focuses you. on that. Yeah. yeah. You know, we should have asked him if he was a part of, of something because um, – you know, like like connect wise, like connect wise. Yeah, it was like, part of our mastermind group, right? Because uh, you know, just like our roundtables members, you want the homeowners to know yeah. that you're part of something big, right? Uh, yeah. 
you probably want to hire one that's part of an organization like that too, because ConnectWise is one of the peer group organizations that we talk to, and right. they they deal with the cyber yeah. uh, tech protection guys. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, that's probably a good thing. So are, just out of curiosity, are we doing all of the Office 365 stuff? Yep. Awesome. See, yeah. I didn't even know that. That's great. I'm so glad we did this. So I know we're protected. Well, you know, the biggest thing, though, I got I to gotta just glom on here for a second and say, you've got to really watch the emails that come in and out because, I mean, the, the real lazy ones, they'll just send you an email from like a Gmail account and they're easier to catch. But always, 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 always look at the email address of the sender because, you know, I haven't, I haven't experienced this personally, but as an example, someone can go out and just grab a domain, remodelersadvantage.com, and leave off like an N. So it's remodelersadvantage.com, and at a glance it looks right. And then they'll send an email from Victoria at remodelersadvantage.com, yeah. you know, asking for help. I'm stranded in right. Mexico and, and I lost my phone. Right. Can you guys help me out? I need 10 grand. Yeah. You know, and, and they get really, really fancy with that stuff. And if you're not watching it, you can really get caught up quick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good point. You've trained me on that one for sure. <laughs> you, you get a little click happy on emails. I'll, <laughs> I'll say that for sure. <laughs> I think I've toned it down a bit. Yes, yes. You've, you've come leaps and bounds yes. from, from the early days of click happy. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, very interesting stuff. And obviously, this could have been a seven hour session. Uh, but it's really good information. So we want to thank Charles for coming and sharing some of these tips with us. And we want to thank you for listening week in and week out. I'm Mark Harari. And I'm Victoria Downing. See you next time. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the Remodeler's Guide to Business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day.